down in his occult power. It's like I just have the authority to do that. It's like a doctor or something. I could come in and and utilize, like put the weapon away. And when I would have him put a weapon away, I would initiate him. I, I've never actually talked about this with anyone. I would have him put the weapon away, and then I would initiate him. And will teachers would be aware, what are you doing? Like, it's Hitler. I go, I know it's Hitler. What, do, what are you going to do with him? Like, you're not even here. I can't even stand up. It's like, either help me or get out of the way. And then he would awaken. And then every being connected with him would feel, what was that? So you know the world word in Star Wars, I feel a disturbance in the forest from Obi-Wan? Well, I would cause a reverse of the disturbance in the force, for which I would have to be willing to be responsible. But I knew he would do it. How did I know that? I just knew God was directing me. So I wasn't bringing Hitler to me. I knew it's time for him to begin to go home so we don't have a counterpoint against where we're trying to go. And then my native teachers all over the world would let me know, it's this time when this is to happen. I go, I know, I keep hearing this from all the great elders, that it's the time for the great peace. And, and then I was aware, well, if this happens enough, it'll just fall away. But it became, you know, it would just be unbearable. And... Um, I have John would be beside me, my husband and Blaine, and, you know, they would watch me go through what I would go through, but I did understand it. And so um, he was unwilling to let go of time. He was so intoxicated by his sense that he had power in time. And then I was aware humanity doesn't recognize its own need. The Buddha said, with our thoughts, we create the universe. We cause... So what was happening with humanity was we weren't causing a virtuous enough relationship to the future. We were tending to stay stuck and fighting over the material levels and power, and that's where he still had a strength of entry for what people thought they wanted. So it was partly that the human race had to be willing to get up, but I would say he had them confused. You know, the the leadership of the constellation possible in him and in Stalin was still strong enough that if it could have caused President Xi to fall or, you know, Putin to fall, um, but they didn't. They didn't. I mean, people like and don't like world teachers, but world leaders, but these political men and women are remarkably profound in what they have to handle every day. So you always want to hold the highest parts of them to realize heaven so they can find the way, because it's a very hard job for them. Mm -hmm. And so there was a certain point, <clears throat> I don't know how many days ago, blame me, no, where, I mean, I could, I was just be aware of how thin the veil was of, of um, which way it was going. And then he just gave it up. He just, Hitler just let it go. And... I was aware it's done, and I said to Blaine, look at, look at my eyes, because he could see how clear my eyes were after. I said, don't I look so much better, you know, than I have for the last three or four weeks, right? So, but that quality of what he would have done was the, that occult sense of having used so much black magic. So the middle worlds are always magic, 
they're always between heaven and earth. It's always a metaphysical world. You never want to belong to that or be defined. You just say, I just need the translation point. That all ceremony or prayer is done. So heaven comes down and we just translate it back to itself. And then that was able to be achieved. And then for about the next eight days, I guess, I worked a great deal with the synchronicity between him and Stalin, getting them a little more separated into, like two brothers in a big fight. Why don't you get it together, son, and let's get up, okay? And you like, why don't you get up? Okay, let's just both get up. And then just the dismantling more of, of the people connected to them, praying for each one of them. It's hard to say it in words, but praying for each one of them to have their own way home in God. You know, because these people who were tied to them were in a hell world themselves of association and identification. And so once that was done, the whole state of causation and humanity's uh, soul and causal sensibility and mind and then down into the personality was like, what happened? And we were out of a nightmare. And I would say for people with children or teenagers, until that happened, a lot of kids were probably scared out of their minds or, or very disturbed about They'd be fine and then not fine at all, and fine and not fine at all, because they would have felt this going on and tried to say, you know, Mom, Dad, you know, I don't want to go to school, or what is this, or, you know, like, like or something truly monstrous. So... I remember I was walking with uh, my colleagues Kabir and Kamil Helminski and Blaine years ago on the beach in Carmel, California. We'd been teaching out in that area. They lived near that area. So we came down into Carmel for the day. We parked the car and we were walking out to the beach. And Kabir asked me a question about evil. And I just answered him. And he said, do you really believe that evil could walk like that on the earth? And I go, oh, I know that it can. I go, I deal with it all the time. He goes, really? I go, really? And a few weeks ago, I thought, I remember that conversation. It was like, that's what we just dealt with. So I think for anybody who felt this quality that there was something truly evil out in the world and watching it manifest through various normal human beings. I mean, did somebody in World War II think they'd turn in their neighbor and have them killed in a concentration camp and enjoy it? Oh, yeah, well, they always had too much anyway or... Yeah, I was hated them. Their daughter was so much more successful than this. This happened where people became part of that constellation globally, and most of those people did not take responsibility for the part they played in that. So the last few years, people have watched this go on all over the world and thought, "What is this force rising up in people I've known and loved my whole life, or somebody in my family, or my my?" my spouse or my child what is this and it was the movement of which way are you in your will your lower will in the body and your upper will of that which you belong to you always want to choose the divine you, you none of us can understand it but all of us are of that and then if you ever encounter something that is not of that in your experience you pray for it and you and you follow virtue, and you will always be able to find the way. Yeah. So, you know, that piece of it, <clears throat> I did think, well, it may happen, and then I have to die when it happens, or I may live for a time and die shortly after. But I felt all along for years, 
No, there won't, there won't be a death because the metaphor we set is we misconstrued how we held our saints and sages historically as martyrs, right? And I'm anything but a martyr. I mean, my contentment that we could sit like this because I get to live in just quiet, gentle states of meaning and that I would not want that for you and your child, your children, of course I would want that for them because it was never taken from me, right? So the freedom and the love that God and I have is never, ever taken from me. I've never met a single being in my life who has that except for myself. So how could I not want that for every being? And I think I was used in this work so that it would be like, who is she? She's nobody. It's just this woman out there somewhere. And I go, that's right. There was no powerful lineage or things of the world that were illustrious or would, would gather someone with importance. I just would walk in like the deer and then back into the matter of the woods and they go, where did the doe go? Oh, she's somewhere out there in her cabin somewhere, you know, yeah. So, so now what happens is what the elders told me would happen. We are in the great peace. And we're not just in it, we're safely in it for your children. So as Hitler and Stalin turn toward their 40s, then they will normalize their own ability to not be in the hell world. Nobody would have been more in the hell world than they would have been. So they're sort of redeemed through the water and to wine, through Mary and Jesus and Muhammad, peace and blessing be upon him, and his daughter Fatima. And you go, and who would? I go, everybody. There's nobody where you can't find that connection with them. So isn't it interesting that we were given a labyrinth or a puzzle where we had to include everyone or we didn't get to have heaven? I don't mean that you have to think well of Hitler, but that redemption. And for people who dealt with him before, like Patton went in and was amazing. He would come with his little Jack Russell Terrier and he was a great student of spirituality. And his first thing he did was went after all the occult objects that Hitler had accrued and insist that they be taken back to where they belonged. Because he knew if we don't straighten that out, then it'll happen again. He knew that. And then he died in a, he had a horrific car accident and uh, died shortly after from the injuries of it. So to me, Hitler afflicted Patton with the magic. Like he came, he was a warrior. I mean, he could remember lives where he'd been like a Roman general or something, or a Persian general. But I always felt such sorrow that he was still caught, attacked by the weapons of that war. So why I'm speaking of that is, I am not in a war. I have not been attacked by any weapons of war, right? There's no fight in magic that's occurred through me. There was a child born in a common way in a family of four children and is here. And when I'm an older woman, I'll die. And I go, yep, here I am, here you are. And I go, there's heaven and earth and all that magic of the curse of the fairy to Princess Aurora's, you know, and we've all been awakened by love's first kiss, right? 
that, that blessing of Mary to Jesus or God creating us all, that perfect kiss in which created each one of us as a soul. And so that's being answered. And then what is the future and time so that when we live it we go, oh, I know what to do with space. It's the first time that we haven't had a fight through black and white magic about what it is to be alive or that everything had to be warfare and life and death and all that. Yeah, so. Yep. And you can feel that, this quality of you go, oh my goodness, and here we are, humanity. So that we get to sit here in the tent, out here, and also that we get to be outside. You know, that we're not, we're not inside. So I thought it, the other day, it's going to be so interesting that we get to sit outside and talk about all this. So there's kind of nowhere where it begins and ends. It's, it's like everywhere. And we have a baby with us who's part of the generation of that. You know, because I have men in my family who died in World War II, so I could be here. We don't even know the names of all of them. And yet, we, we are that fruit. So, you know, what will, what will your baby live to see? And then, one always wants to pray for protection, <laughs> guidance, health, prosperity, but you always ask, Twala is the one who taught me this, always teach everyone, begin everything with asking for protection and guidance. And then just go forward in that, that, that grace and ease. Yeah, so all the places where your curiosity seeks what is happening now, what is going to happen now, just allow that to happen through you. And what an instrument is Kelly in her work in life? What are you to do? What are you to be? And you just let that happen. You know, and then we have people like, if I take the royal family now, if I take Prince Harry and, and Duchess Meghan, they've been this massive thing in the world. And you know, their children will be part of where we're going. The, the parents will be there, but the children will be part of where we're going. So their first child is the reincarnation of Charlotte Sevier, who was a, a woman, an English woman, who came to the Himalayas and was very involved with uh, uh, Ramakrishna and Sarda Devi work, and just this great soul. So that's their first child, who came back as a boy, as Archie, and then their daughter, whose name is Lilibet, or Lily, is the reincarnation of Epictetus, who was this other extraordinary philosopher. I mean, if you look at Epictetus's quotes, he would be a great president of the world, you know. So what will Lily do with Archie as her brother, and how shall they lead their parents? This way, Mom, this way, Dad. Well, the parents are shepherding them, and they're known by the world. I go, okay, here we go. Yeah, so... And then, so much of it now will be, how do we caretake the earth because she's, you know, afflicted. She's been telling us, this is too much, I can't do this, or I won't do this this way. And uh, how do we live so that we find a balance of resonance with her? And that's just the homework for all of the generations to do, to be with. So anything else? Any other questions about anything? Thank you. You're so welcome. 
It's my privilege. I really mean that I say that about things, but it's my privilege. In my understanding of it, I was aware that um, I simply understood. And um, I couldn't bear it at times. And I was aware that, well, there are women I've spoken of in Central Africa who have to walk twice as far to carry water on their heads every morning. I know several of them have had their husbands knock them down and beat them because they were too long in bringing the water back. So they had to get up and walk back and get it again twice in the same day. And they were ashamed that they'd been hit because they'd failed to get it back soon enough. Because so many trees had been cut down in the three years before that there wasn't enough water nearby. And they would ask someone like me to help them because they didn't know what to do. I don't know what to do because my husband beat me the other day. But I try to tell him, I have to get the water. And he says, but my mother never took so long. And so I would think, what I go through is nothing compared to all the women and men and children that go through just all those things. You know, I would say to John, well, I'm sitting here under the pecan tree with my vitamins, and I'm suffering so deeply <laughs> in my nightgown. You know, but my body couldn't stand it. There's a Psalm 22. Psalm 23 is very famous of, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. But Psalm 22 is written prophetically about uh, that the joints are, the joints are being pulled apart. It's, it's, it's really about the experience of what Elijah went through or Jesus went through on the cross. And I didn't even know about it until about 10 years ago. When I read it, I just started crying. It was so comforting because I thought, well, that's what I go through. And at the same time, you know, there's just, there's just uh, uh, the state I live in, also in the joints and in all of it. So, so to, not, to, not, to be able to let that not, not fall or fail. And then my, my parents and how they raised me. And so never think for a moment that the virtue you embody will not go to bring glory to the heavens through how you are with your children because I have a very common life and uh, the most extraordinary parents, especially my mother no, I'm not trying to demean my father but as a woman there are ways that a woman will raise her daughter beside her and my mom had a story that she's told me a bunch of times where she was washing dishes and I came over to her as a little toddler and pulled on her trousers or her skirt and she said I was going to tell you just a minute and she realized no I'm not to leave her attention, yet I'm to be with my tasks. And she said, I didn't love you more than the other three children, but I understood that there was this quality that I was to care for. Right? So just imagine, imagine when, when we are present beside the soul of our child, what can be done. Yeah. Yeah. And you can feel the, I wouldn't call it silence, uh, you can feel the state out there that's what the world teachers listen to. There's like, they're always listening. You know how people are out there with those big instruments in the Southwest listening for something from another planet? Your, your world teachers, um, from the Pope to the Dalai Lama, or Mother Mir, or Amici, or just a million people, and, and the ones whose names we don't know, 
they're listening and then looking for the sound that is silence and then the embodiment of the, of the music of the spheres. And they're looking for the light that is beyond visible light. So when that sound and light come to you, you become an instrument of grace. Right? So usually that's not available to people to just be with all the time. But as we come into this time, it's available to people to just be with it and then to represent it as each of yourselves. And that's why humans were created, so we could become a holy family and embody this. Yeah. So, what a gift, you know. Yeah. So, what would a nation be if it went beyond enemies and worked for the sake of all of humanity? And that's what we're to do. And what would we teach our children with philosophy or religion or culture? So we respect other people and their languages and ways of dressing or eating and yet respect it in ourselves, yet find a reciprocity of that grace. Yeah, and then practicing it, you know, sometimes we'll be awkward like children bickering over a toy. And then we find our way. I'm so sorry. No, I'm so sorry. I go, okay, well, I'm sorry. Well, okay, now, what, how do we begin again? Like a dance. And, yeah. And then there will be a reason each being is here that is your own signature, and nobody else has that. And that was really important to me. I mean, that's just part of this. I do understand that. And I was aware, this is not going to be taken away from everybody. Look, everyone is ready for this. People are ready for this, and it's not going to be our lack of understanding of this and our lack of understanding of how to work with something like Hitler that will do this. So, And then the constellation of those men and the women around them will become, um, I don't know if I call it broken apart, engage with other constellations so it becomes healthy. It won't be like there's this constellation of them out there, it's kind of comes undone and is reconfigured into a greater harmonic with the human race. Yeah. So. Okay, well, what time is it now? Do you want to have a break and then come back and have a few more questions and have a meditation? We could, we could talk a little more about time, but we've had so much today. I, my thought is, what if we take a brief break and we then come back and have like a meditation? Would that be nice? Mm -hmm. You feel how sad there was, the sadness underlying? The Buddha, Buddha called this the great sadness. When he became enlightened, he saw, oh, people just don't understand. So in each of you, you can feel what he felt, that like, you're fine, but like the, the exhaustion of that which is was sad and because of how we were so, you know, kind of amiss in many ways. And yet, once sadness is resolved, anything that is a scar can heal. Right? Anger is always a secondary emotion. There's always loss or sorrow underneath it. When, when all the anger and the armoring and scarring falls away, 
this kind of sweet sadness comes up and then falls away and then your life force of who you really are and your heart and soul is there and you, you let that move forward and your, and your life expresses authentic, authentically. Yeah, so it's beautiful. I just feel so sad so often. I just I think we became engaged with the tantrum that we just stayed spoiled in and wouldn't come out of. And, you know, so my mom would have been very strict about it and not tolerated it. But people kept saying, well, I'm entitled to this and I can do what I want. And you know, the trees never said you could do what you wanted. That was just some weird idea we have of, that free will meant you could just do whatever you felt like. But if people understood that they were responsible for what they do, they're like, well, I'm not going to have to pay for this. I, I can just do what I want and then go on and become a great, wealthy, amazing person over here, right? And I go, that's not what's going on. Like, who are you? What are you doing? And people were just, they were crazy. The Hopi statement is that we would either gather this or we would be like monsters with our heads cut off. And if we did that, that we would take the world down. They were very serious about it. So, you know, we, we were in that stage where it was just a nightmare. And yet many things were beautiful in people's lives, but the consciousness itself was afflicted. So I think wherever you feel the sadness, I would try to go out into nature. I would try to do some things where you just apply virtue for the sake of just bringing goodness to something or to another person or to uh, out to your garden or to something aesthetically beautiful or just in kindness to yourself. So you, you kind of soothe and comfort your world and then you'll watch the world kind of coming through this. If you're very meditative or you have deep practices, you can generate a part of that practice and grace out to humanity, out to the earth, into yourself and out into things. And that may give you a feeling of, of meaning and movement and grace if you're present with it in that way. Yeah, so. And then out toward the younger people. So you think, good, I'll help them go this way. And if you do see the continuation of where people are just caught in some of their personal negative patterns, just, you know, kind of don't give your attention to it. Just go, go on around it in a noble way. It would be like a person who's archaic yelling about, someone threatened me with a saber 150 years ago. You go, excuse me, why don't you come help with the scythes in the field then? You just sort of, the, the, the nature of the tantrum is archaic now. So if somebody's still caught in that loop, just show them the way forward and don't give a lot of attention to it. Yeah. Well, let's take a break, and I'll see you in about 20 minutes. Is that good?